Hello and welcome back to the Footballing Question. This is season two, episode four now. Uh, of course, I'm Jordan. I'm joined with Isaac and Ashley once again. Uh, and the Premier League kicked off last week uh, in very interesting fashion. I'm sure you boys will agree. Uh, and this week was no different. Uh, plenty of cracking games. Uh, so I think we better start with the games. Uh, and we're going to start by talking about Manchester City uh, versus Norwich. Um, last week we did our predictions of who would win we all decided Manchester City would win and that's what happened but that wasn't the main talking point obviously Manchester City winning was sort of expected the big talking point was Jack Grealish Jack Grealish scoring his first goal for Manchester City um, the second goal of the game uh, so what did you boys think of it uh, we'll start with Isaac what did you reckon of the game um well, with Man City, like I think we all—I mean, we all predicted them to win, didn't we? And I kind of nonchalantly in my prediction last week went, "Oh, it'll probably be a five-nil," and then it was just, "Yeah, yeah, it was five-nil actually." Um, yeah, yeah. Um, it's just one of those things you just expect them to fresh teams like Norwich, and it's exactly how you expect them to respond to the Tottenham loss. You know, it's it's the game they want after that loss, which is okay. We want a newly promoted side at our home ground who we can get a clean sheet and just score goals against. And suddenly the confidence is back. They're the city we know they are. Jack Grealish gets a goal on his home debut, which really, really calms the nerves for him. You know, really getting a goal early in, in your career at a club, a new club, is exactly what you want to do to settle the nerves. And he's done that. Um, you know, Jesus had a pretty good game on the wing. Uh, which is where he plays for Brazil. So it's interesting to see him develop as that. Um, uh, but yeah, City, you know, there's not much to really go off. It's, it's not a game you want to analyse too much because it, it, we, we've seen it all before. Manchester City, you know, expectedly so dominated again. It would be more of a talking point if they nicked it 1-0. But, um, oh, it's Man City, so of course not. But yeah, that's all i got to say. Ashley? Well, you know, uh, you could say there isn't much to analyse about it, but Jack Grealish is on the left, and yeah, I suppose that is just his normal position, but I think a lot of people were kind of, well, maybe expecting Pep at some point to put, play Grealish down the middle and use him as this kind of like cam that everyone wants him to be, but um, for now he's still on the left. But yeah, there's there's not too much uh, to talk about. It's business as usual for City, really, isn't it? Uh, yeah, and... Yeah, Grealish's goal. There's so much pressure on him to do well now. You know, it's a massive move. Um, but he got his goal. It wasn't the cleanest of goals, but it, it happened. So, yeah. Man City won again. Manchester City dominated, though. Norwich, were they even in the game? Were they playing? Because they were just off the pitch, pretty much. Played off the pitch. And they sit bottom of the league. Um after two games of course but they really need to start uh, pushing on if they want this season to be the one where they don't finish bottom after coming up straight away um, we'll move on to Sunday's games now uh, and we're going to start with Southampton Man United um, now of of course I'm the Manchester United fan here um, and judging by what I saw uh, I only got to watch highlights I was working but um, judging from what I saw Manchester United were not playing very well we dominated the play uh, the ball 
had more shots, more on target. Uh, but we really didn't push on. Um, I think looking at it, the first thing uh, I notice is Varane on the bench, uh, which I sort of expected. Uh, he should be in next week. But um, Jaden Sancho didn't get a start um, either on the bench. Donny van der Beek again on the bench. Going to start calling him Donny van der Bench, honestly, because it's ridiculous how often he's on the bench um, and he's not getting a look in again um, this season. Uh, we started Fred and Matic and I was very happy with Fred last week. He got on the score sheet. This time he got on the score sheet again. Own goal. Uh, I'd say it was just poor defending all round. Uh don't know what Harry Maguire was doing. I think Fred could have done better to block the shot. Um, but it ends up in the back of the net. Um, but some of the passes he was playing um, were absolutely shocking. And it really emphasises my love-hate relationship with Fred. Because sometimes he's very good. Well, he's decent. And other times he's just dreadful. And considering we have... Um, Donny van der Beek on the bench, or Donny van der Bench on the bench, uh, and we had Scott McTominay on the bench as well. Um, I don't see why Fred is the one starting in particular. Hopefully things change into next week. Uh, but Mason Greenwood got a, the goal for Manchester United, and he is looking very sharp this season. Uh, I'm sure you guys will agree. Um, he's going to definitely be one to look out for this season, whether he's playing up front or uh, on the right or the left. Uh, he's looking very dangerous. Uh, I don't know if you guys wanted to say anything on the game. Isaac, do you have anything to say about the game? Um, I didn't watch the entirety of the game for a very big reason in that I was travelling to another game <laughs> while that game was on. I caught probably about the first half an hour on my dad's phone on 4G um, while I was on the Greater Anglia service to Tottenham Hale. <laughs> Um, so I caught a bit of it and I caught the absolutely you know ridiculous chance United had Um, 0-0 from a free kick which I thought was you know I I was completely stunned how it didn't go in where Lindelof had a great chance to head it he misses it then it bounces up Pogba heads it it goes over and under hits the bar Martial's got a header from two yards blocked on the line I'm just like oh my word like it's the kind of thing I'd expect Arsenal to do because we can't well, score was... goals. But United, like, <laughs> that was the sort of setup. That sort of chance happens in a game, and you're already like, "Oh well, this one's not going to go too well, is it?" When you miss and that, you think. I think it was sort oh. of the same again. Oh. We had so many chances by the looks of it. There was a fairly simple header for Bruno Fernandez. Um, I think it was in the first half, um, and forced a great save out of Alex McCarthy, but uh, generally a point away at Southampton uh, is not its not amazing, but it's not great. Uh, it's not amazing, but it's not bad, I mean. Um, but it also means that we've matched the record, uh, I believe. We've matched the record of the Invincibles um, for away unbeaten run, which most of those games came in an empty stadium. Obviously, but no wonder. Uh, no, 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 I'm not no take, wonder. Not going to take n- and no trophy for it. No, and there was no trophy there, but I'm. 
it's there. It's it's on the it's on the table. We got an away fixture against Wolves uh, coming up, so on Sunday. So uh, we'll see what happens there. But I think we better move on. We're going to skip the the other Sunday game and come back to it because we've got a lot to talk about there. Um, and we're going to go straight to Monday and we're going to talk about West Ham versus Leicester. West Ham smashing Leicester really 4-1 no one really expected that I don't think um I think we said last week we expect a lot of goals but uh not not in this way for sure um I'll start with you Ashley uh what did you make of the game um and in particular what did you make of Mikel Antonio well, yeah, uh, that's exactly what I was going to uh, get onto straight away. He's having a season by the looks of it. Um, yeah, he looks he looks really uh, brilliant. But like for once, no, not for once really, because uh, last season he was really good for them as well. But he, I mean, he's their out and out striker at the moment, and he's he's getting the goals. Um, he played so well against Leicester. The flick for his second goal over, I think, oh, well, one of the Leicester defenders. And then, I mean, the finish wasn't like the most spectacular, but it's just the fact that he's managed to score that is is unreal. Uh, yeah, so I, I've, he, he's playing really well at the moment. I didn't realise, I've just looked. He's 31. When did Antonio become 31? Anyway, uh, he's still he's still bossing the Premier League. Uh, yeah, it, it's strange because I don't think anyone would have seen a 4-1, that, a 4-1 win out of that game for West Ham, to be honest, considering where Leicester and West Ham were last season. You know, they were... They're kind of like rivals, really, both fighting for that those European places, and in the end, obviously both got the Europa League. But no, I, di- I didn't expect that. Uh, another thing as well, David Moyes looks to be proving all the doubters wrong at the moment, and West Ham are top of the league. Uh, I'm I'm pretty sure anyway, um, which which is brilliant. I saw something on Instagram earlier, and it was a Sunderland fan saying, "Why can you play like? Why can you get the team to play like that when you were?" Uh, but yeah, yeah, West Ham. Top of the league, they can be happier. Uh, oh, I'd love to be a West Ham fan. Anyway, Isaac, what do you reckon? Um, I mean, I did predict a West Ham win. I think I was the only one of the three of us who predicted a West Ham win. I, I think I am. I was anyway. Um, and that's simply because of home advantage. In the majority of games where, you know, apart from, you know, City could play Norwich away and you'd predict City to win. Um, apart from games like that, where before the game you know there's a winner, West Ham, Leicester, you know they're not too far apart. And you look at them, and you, I'd go go for the home side. If you're gonna bet, if I'm a betting man, I'm betting for the home side week in week out this season. In most scenarios, when I can't pick a side, because the introduction of fans, you know, players sure have played with fans for a long time, but that 16 or so months without them, you know, it's going to take time to getting used to used to that uh, with away crowds um you know only the big kind of mentalities can deal with that um and it was exactly the same um i thought west ham looked phenomenal they looked like they were uh, going stride for stride exactly how they played last season i think they will slowly but surely you know they'll slow down once the europa league hits them because i don't think they've got the squad which can rotate as much as is required in a european season um but we'll see that uh, we'll see that um, in just over a month's time when the Europa League kicks off, um, which you know I'm really excited to see how they do. But they were just phenomenal. They didn't need a red card from Ayoso Perez. They didn't need that. You know they were already the better side. Michael Antonio, as Ashley said, great 
start to the season, three goals in two games. He's a powerful, powerful striker. And, you know, he started off as a right wing back and he's now playing as that out-and-out number nine. That's a story and a half. And it's the celebration to go with it, what an absolute guy. I, I love Mikel Antonio. Great lad. Um, wish him well. Um, but, yeah, uh, West Ham just, were just great. And Leicester really just, yeah, they just were caught slipping, really. So, uh, Mikel Antonio, joint top goal scorer with Bruno Fernandes. Will he keep it up for the rest of the season, do you guys reckon? Will he be up there at the end of the season? Isaac? I can I can see him doing it. Sorry to to go ahead to no, jump in, but I can sorry, I can see him uh, doing a Patrick what Patrick Vanford did last season, Dominic Cavalier, and I can see him getting around fifteen goals to be honest at the moment. I didn't predict it, but you know, if if we're just looking at what's happened so far, uh, I think all we can do is guess that yeah, he will be up there. Mm, I mean my pick for um, top goal scorer is actually... I, I made this decision as soon as I found out he was joining the Premier League. Just It was a snap decision as soon as I found out he was signing for... Um, insert club here. Um, <laughs> I won't say because mate, you know exactly who I'm talking about. <laughs> but I, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I said, this guy, as soon as he starts playing, he's in my fantasy team each week. He's going to be the top goal scorer. I know it for a fact. It's true. The only thing stopping this man from being top goal scorer is if he breaks his leg. But Michael Antonio has no shame in not beating the Canes of this world and, you know, the other strikers of this world, shall I say, all like the Salas. Because, you know, 20 goals in a 38-game season in the Premier League is a mean feat. And if he gets around... I think he can get around 17-18 if he's still playing the way he is, which would be a really good goal-scoring season for West Ham. If he can get to 21, maybe 23 goals, it'd be phenomenal. Because um, if you look at them, it is a bit of a worry that you, you take him out and who's their backup striker. But, you know, if he stays fit for the entire season, I, there's no reason why I can't see him going for potentially a 20-goal mark in the league. In an attacking side, in a, in, well, yeah, I mean, they've scored the most goals in the league so far, West Ham. Um, in the attacking side, as their only striker, as long as he stays fit, I completely agree with you. He could definitely uh, score a lot of goals this season. Definitely one to watch, for sure. Uh, going into the next few weeks, uh, you boys getting him in the fantasy? I might have to. I need to make a few more changes. You're going to have to rearrange a bit. Yeah. <laughs> Ivan Tony uh, isn't really coming up for me at the moment. <laughs> Well, we'll we'll get to that uh, on on the YouTube channel. Uh, so remember to check that out if you haven't already. Um, cheeky plug. But I think we better go back to Sunday and we better talk about the main sort of thing uh, of the episode. Um, and it's, it all starts with this game. Uh, and I'm going to go to Isaac first because he referenced the fact that he was going to this game. It's time to talk about Arsenal, boys. Uh, I know you love talking about uh, Arsenal losing. Uh, so, Arsenal at home to Chelsea. Isaac, how was the stadium? Um, well, the stadium was lovely. Uh, walking over the bridge, you're in the sun, um, the badge, the giant badge, you know, it looks nice. You know, you know they, they've changed their security. So, you know, now 
uh, instead of getting checked in at the turnstiles, you get checked on the bridge. So getting uh, showing your ticket as you go in is actually a lot quicker now. You know, it was it was nice. But I think you want me to talk about the game. Um, I'm looking at my program yeah. right now, and my program because of the drastic change in weather during the match is wet, damp battered and coincidentally that's the state of the current arsenal squad at the moment so um yeah um uh where the where the hell do i begin i was about to swear um <laughs> but um i went to this game with just happiness because i was just going to a league match the last time i went to a league match was february 23rd um 2020 a uh, 3-2 win at home against everton uh, under Arteta, <laughs> um, which was nice, uh, <laughs> but this game, um, yeah, um, there were obviously some changes before the game in that Ben White had COVID and Lacazette still wasn't going to be back because of COVID, Gabriel still injured, uh, Lacazette still injured, um, Party still injured, um, <laughs> yeah, a lot of stuff, and Odegaard's visa hadn't come through, um, but obviously, I still think we've got good players. We sh- should be able to play football. And we started well. In the stadium, it felt good. For the first 15 minutes, I thought, you know what? There's an intensity here. There's an atmosphere here. The fans were behind the players. But I'm going to mention something here. A lot of the time, uh, you'll attack the players and the manager and the squad. And the fans will do that. I'm going to attack the fans as well today. Because... Um, one common thing I hear amongst Arsenal fans is that our players down tools when a goal goes in. And I'd say that the majority of our fan base down tools when a goal goes in. Because as soon as Lukaku scored, they shut up. And I was just there trying to start chance, And they were quiet. And I was just thinking... I, I turned away halfway through the second half. Obviously, I haven't even mentioned the score yet. Um, for the p- listeners, Chelsea won this game 2-0 and scored their two goals in the first half. The game was over at half-time. But... You know, in that second half, I turned over to look at the Chelsea end and half of their stand weren't even singing and it's all you could hear. You know, they didn't even need the entire away end to sing and it's all you could hear because all I looked around and there was people not watching the game and they were just bickering amongst each other. I saw a man leave the stadium after Reese James scored in the first half and to that man, I, he's not listening. He probably doesn't know how to, how to use a phone, the blooming idiot, but... I'd like to tell him I don't want you back at my stadium because you're not a, you're not a football fan. I don't want to leave early. It's not something I like to do. I've done it once before when we lost 3-0 to Manchester City. I left in the 75th minute. And I feel guilty about that a little bit today. Um still, but I didn't do that against Chelsea. I stayed pretty much until the 92nd minute. And the only reason I left that minute or two early is cuz I didn't want to queue up for Arsenal station for half an hour. Um but just a drab, drab performance. No identity to our play. You know, I saw someone tweet about our style of play, and it couldn't be more true. It's just Pastor Tierney and Inshallah. You know, just hope Kieran Tierney crosses a ball in, and it will hit someone. And <laughs> genuinely, it is, right, we've got the ball. We're going to stand around, pass it to each other, until Kieran Tierney gets in behind, and then hopefully, let's pray to someone in the middle. Um, it, It's just diabolical you know considering we cross so much you'd think it'd be a good idea to sign a striker which can head the ball um but no we're not smart enough to do that um uh just i i i want to let one of you talk but i'm just gosh oh my (laughs) god 
Oh my word, I'm just, oh, I'm traumatised. And to make it worse, I've already bought tickets to our next home game. Norwich at home, September 11th, lads. Let's go. Anyway, someone else talk. Ashley. <laughs> yeah, I need to get tickets, Ashley, because as horrible as that sounded, I'm really, really missing it. Um, so yeah, I need to get back to the Emirates soon. Uh, and I know how frustrating it is, because I can't, I can't say that... I, I'm standing. I'm standing up the whole game, trying to get everyone to chant and stuff. You know, I try, but there's only so much you can do when literally everyone else is silent. And there's a reason why they call the Emirates a library, and it is because, like, sometimes we're appalling in terms of actually showing support, it, like with chants for our team. And yeah, when we're losing like that, it's just embarrassing when you see the away end like that. They're having the time of their lives, and we're just we're, we're sat there like, what, how many minutes we got left? It's, it's it's not fun. Um, so so yeah. Uh, in terms of the actual game, though, um, probably worth noting that Pablo Mari got absolutely bullied by Romelu Lukaku. Uh, yeah, he, he could not deal with him at all. Uh, I think you know really shows that we're missing Gabriel. Um, we're missing a lot of players. Yeah, and that's one thing that I don't think a lot of people realise about Arsenal right now. We are missing a lot of first team players, but at the same time, we shouldn't be doing this badly. Uh, you know. I expected a loss against Chelsea. They just won the Champions League. They've just won Lukaku. But, I mean, on top of that Brentford defeat last week, we are at such a low at the moment. Um, I'd rather, to be honest, we're going we're gonna to mention Arteta again this episode, but uh, we can sack him. Nothing will change. We'll just be in the same, this same constant loop. Um, yeah. And is he good enough? No. Uh, I, I, maybe I've changed my answer right now. Yeah, no, he's not good enough right now. Uh, he really needs to sort his game out. Uh, but yeah, that that's pretty much all I've got to, to say. Really, we had no attacking outlet, and uh, we we are really desperate. We probably will get onto Arteta at some point because uh, we are going to focus somewhat on uh, Arsenal and. Uh, what's happening with Arsenal at the minute. But I thought I'd give my opinions on what I saw of the game. Uh, you were just poor. Just very poor. And I think uh, I think Saka going off, uh, I saw when Saka came off, I sort of questioned it a little bit because um, you would have thought he uh, would be someone that you wanted to keep on the pitch. Uh, but I guess fresh legs in Aubameyang. Um then obviously Tierney came off as well, and once t- he was off, there yeah there was n- there was nothing there for you, uh, and generally the performance was just poor, and that's how it is right now with Arsenal, uh, whether you want to hear it or whether you agree with it or not, um, they're just n- there's something about that team that's not good enough, and Brentford um, showed it. Maybe it was sort of a question. Maybe it was like, oh, it's the first game of the season. Brentford, new to the Prem. They'll be fully behind. Maybe uh, that's had an impact. And I don't think many people genuinely believed that Arsenal would beat Chelsea. But definitely that they would put up more of a fight. And they just didn't, uh, from what I saw. Uh, You mentioned um, Romelu Lukaku just bullying Pablo Mari just absolutely bullying him and it was ridiculous really how no one it seemed like no one was trying to contain him 
Um, not like it's an easy job, of course, but it was just once the first goal went in, or definitely when the second goal went in, you go in at half time, surely you want to um, change something. And it just seemed like you'd given up, which again seems like how Arsenal is at the minute. Um, so a poor result for you, uh, leaving you down the bottom of the table. Of course, you're yet to score a goal this season. Um, is a striker your issue? Do you is that the one of the main issues in um, your starting eleven right now? You know. I'd like to talk about this, you know. I don't think a striker is our issue. I, that, that, that's that's not the problem. I think the way we're playing right now, I think you could stick Ronaldo in the middle and he wouldn't get the service he desires. Um, um, you know, I don't think... But we had 22 only... shots against Brentford. We, we, had, we had, like, the most since we've had since 2017 in the Premier League. Do you not think a better striker? I mean, Balogun... How many, of those, central, how many of those were from the striker? Situation. How many of those were from the striker against Brentford? None of them, because most yeah. of them were pot shots, because we weren't giving it to Bal- How many chances did Balogun have against Brentford? I can't remember one. Um, maybe he had one header, you know, from a spawny cross by Tierney. Probably. Um, how many chances do I remember us giving Martinelli up front uh, on Sunday? None. None at all. I don't remember us creating a solid chance for him. It's down to chance creation. Um, and the way Arteta plays... I, I, I generally don't think Arteta has any tactics. I think it is generally... Oh, Tierney's good. Let's give it to him and hopefully he'll create a chance for us. Oh, Saka's good. Let's just give the ball to the players up front. Do something. And I, I, it's just... It's just... It's so annoying because I could see it happening right in front of me. Just the poor tactics. And the, the annoying thing is just... <sighs> yes, it would be nice to... If we brought in another man, I think they could get us to score more goals. I think so. I think that would happen. Uh, I think a manager could come in and shore us up defensively, but a manager can't come in and restructure the football club to stop signing players like Pablo Mari. A manager can't come in and stop the board from appointing people like Edu to be in charge of transfers. And the manager can't come in and get rid of Kronke. Um, If they could, then Jesus Christ, I would sack Arteta tomorrow um, (laughs) if there was a manager who could do all that. I'd I'd give them the stadium, everything, all my money, like everything, because that's worth so much. And I saw it's just everything, every single level of the football club right now is broken. The structure of the club is completely rotten to the core, um, and there's no signs of improvement. There's no signs of the club being worried or trying to act on it. People have turned their eyes up at Arsenal spending 130 million this summer. And I'd like to say, to be honest, that's not that much. If you see how far behind we are by the clubs, we should probably be spending about 400 million because our net spend is ridiculous. Do you know why? Because we can't sell players. If you look at the last few years in terms of how we've sold players, Sanchez, we ended up letting him go to, for, for a Mkhitaryan swap deal when there was a 60 million offer from City. Could have gone there. Ozil, free. Um... Who else? Uh, we terminated Mustafi's contract. Terminated Socrates' contract. We're probably about to terminate uh, Kalasnak's contract. Willian, I think we're going to have to. Ter- I think we might end up terminating his as well, and he might be going for nothing. We're paying players to leave. We're making losses on sales. That doesn't make any sense. Just the way our club makes decisions is completely abysmal. Um, 
the thing that's most annoying is on the pitch and off the pitch, they are making decisions that me, an inexperienced student, can see where we're, where we're going wrong. I watched us in the game thinking, okay, we've conceded. Maybe switch the formation up. Maybe switch the tactics. Maybe revert to a back three. But no, Arteta doesn't have the brain cells to do that. And then I look at our transfer strategy. And I go, okay, look at Yves Basuma. He's right there. Why don't you go for him? Or maybe try and sign a striker. Why don't? And no, they don't have the brain cells for that. Edu, no. I'm going to spend £50 million on Ben White. When actually Saliba was right there. I don't think we need... And their centre-back wasn't even what we needed this summer. I think that 50 mil could have been... Uh, I'm not saying Ben White's a bad signing. I'm not. I'm happy that he's here. I think he's a high potential player. But actually, the one thing which no one's mentioned is that he's most like he's played in a back three for Brighton most of the time because he's an on-the-ball centre-back. Whenever they played a four, he was in midfield. I'm sorry, but like it takes you five seconds to realise that's a bad idea if you're going to play back a foot back four with him. Even though he wasn't on the pitch against Chelsea. It's just stupid. Um... Everything is just wrong with this club. Everything is wrong. But I think I'm one of the few people who's going to say, look, no matter what happens, I will turn up when I can turn up. I'm going in a few. I'm going in three weeks' time, September 11th. I'm there, uh, or two weeks, whatever. I'll be there ready to support the boys. I'll back them, you know. But a lot has got to change. Hopefully Martin Odegaard, now that he's available, can change things. But, you know... The way we're going, I'm looking at tomorrow's game against West Brom thinking, do you know what, they're probably up for it. West Brom are looking at us going, do you know what, we'll win this. <sighs> Honestly, West Brom beat us, please. Just get us out of another competition so we could just put even more efforts into the Premier League. Not even that it's, that's even going to help because, I mean, look at us. Um, yeah, in, term, like, in terms of our transfer window, um, I think we've actually... Like, it's one of the more positive windows that we've had in the last few years because for once we haven't gone and signed a Chelsea reject or another big club reject that's going to destroy our wage books and in the end obviously play awful for us. You know, David Louise, Willian, Lichsteiner. Um, I mean, David Louise, you know, was actually okay for us, but uh, in the end uh, they were a pain and we just needed to get rid of them. I think it, came, it comes down to just someone at the top making very poor decisions. And at the moment, it kind of looks like it's, you know, Edu is really under pressure at the moment. I don't know what he's doing. You're completely right. William Saliba is right there. He's had so many good seasons in the French League. And we're just we're just keeping out there. And we're going to ruin the relationship with, play, with the player until we sell him for 12 million, right? On an obligation to buy for his next season when we loan him out again. It's ridiculous. We're, we're, we're so We're so bad in every single sense of the word. And you said earlier, you're going to show up whenever you can. I'm, sh I'm sure, you know, in whatever way that they can, an Arsenal fan will try and support the team. Uh, because, I mean, if you support Arsenal, you love the club. But, like, they're just taking the piss now. What are they doing? They're not giving. They're not giving it back to us. We're the one that pays these ridiculous monies for sh money for shirts. I mean, we don't have to buy the shirts, but we still get them, right? We, we we pump our money into the club and they barely do their bit. It's it, it's unreal. But yeah, the, I mean, the signings, specifically Isaac, what do you think about Aaron Ramsdale? Because I don't think that's that bad. Considering, uh, let, let me let me just say why first. Considering Sheffield United spent, um, I think I think Sheffield United spent 20 million on him or close to that. You know, they, they would have had to make a profit. Um, he's the guy that Arteta wants. 
he's he's comfortable on the ball and he's a leader as well at such a young age. Yeah, all right. You know, he's had two from. He's uh, I mean, the last two seasons in the Premier League, he's got relegated both times. Uh, but he was definitely Bournemouth's best player when they went down. Definitely Sheffield United's best player when they went down last year. Uh, so I actually think it's a good signing. I'm I'm quite happy with Ramsdale. What do you think? Um, well, the thing is, like, when I first heard him linked, I wasn't optimistic on the deal. But like, whenever we sign anyone, I'm gonna. I, I'm not. Before I give my opinion, I'd like to say that I saw on Twitter a lot of people giving him abuse online, and. Again, that's another thing that's wrong with our club. So many pessimistic people. Just like it's just so depressing to be an Arsenal fan right now because you can't talk to another fan without wanting to kill them. Um, it's just so annoying. There's people giving abuse to a player before he signed. Like, is that encouraging? Like, how's he gonna feel when he makes his debut? Like, he wants to leave? No. Like, think about him. And I'm I'm happy for Aaron Ramsdale. It's a, he, he's it's the big move. It's the biggest move of his career. It's a huge step up for him. And originally, the, the, the fees that were being talked about, I thought that's a bit much. The main reason I was I was had issues with it is because we sold Emmy Martinez last year. That's my main issue with it. But I still think, look, he signed for Sheffield last year for eighteen million quid, and we've signed him for twenty four. You know, when you think of it that way, okay, it's not that big a jump. And uh, a lot of Chelsea fans I've seen on Twitter have a go at us spending 24 mil on a subkeeper. Um, the keeper on their bench is worth the same price as Pepe, 72 million. I think that's a massive waste of money, considering Kepa, I'd argue, isn't too high compared to Ramsell. I think I don't think the difference is that big a deal. In fact, I think Kepa is suspect. I think he's crap. But um, we don't need to talk about that today. Yeah, I think Ramsdale's a good shot stopper. But um, yeah, I think he's a good little <clears throat> signing. I like him. He seems like a good bloke. And you look, I wish him well. I hope he does well. Odegaard, good sign. Odegaard's a good signing. We look at the price we've got him for. It's a good signing. I think Nuno Tavares is a good signing. We needed a backup left back. Samuel Conga looks excellent um, as a footballer. He's the best player we've had so far this season. He's been. He hasn't put a foot wrong. He like I, I, he hasn't. He's barely made a mistake in the two games that we've lost so far. Um, and then Ben White, Ben White, is it's a lot of money. It's a lot of money, and I don't know if he's the right player for the system we want to play. I seriously think we should switch to a back three. Um, but Arteta's brain's not working at the moment, so we're not going to switch to a back three when clearly that would help shore up the defence. Give Mari some cover, um, you know, and actually help us bring the ball wider, have more additions, more support for the striker. You know, if we, it, it would help. Um, but there's just, I can't talk about this without going back to how many things are wrong with this football club. Because there's so much wrong, so much wrong. I think we've naturally sort of gone on to transfers, but we haven't mentioned the fact that um, uh, estimated expenditure, uh, Arsenal have spent the most, 130 mil uh, on transfers. And like you said, you seem quite happy with the transfers you've made. So surely it's not a case of um, the money you're spending isn't uh, what you want or what you need. So that whole uh, sort of argument about uh, money being spent uh, I think uh, doesn't really need to be 
to be questioned unless you don't think it it's worth it. I, 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 you said you no, liked the signing of Erdegaard. Look, we haven't. The issue is is that there's so many things wrong with our squad. It's not our. First of all, our team has finished oh, yeah, eighth two seasons in a row. What are we doing? If you look at the signings we've made, um, Tavares, Laconga, and Ramsdale, three of our signings aren't in our starting eleven. Two of our signings would be in our best eleven: Odegaard and and Ben White. Now, if your team has finished eighth two seasons in a row, what do you think is more important: improving your starting eleven or improving your reserves? Of course, you would say the starting yeah, exactly. eleven. But also, and we're not and we're not doing that. But 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 um, I was going to say um, Odegaard for a signing. Uh, it's a good signing. You had him. Um, on loan, but he barely played. He barely got the chance at the end. Well, no, of the like season, he was, he, he was starting. He was getting regular game time. Then he had one injury, and it really stunted his time. But you can't deny if you look at our results from the moment he came okay. in to the moment from the end of the season, our results got better. They correlated with him getting more game time. And people will talk about stats and they will talk about okay. goals and assists. But at the end of the day. Emil Smith-Rowe didn't get that many goals or assists that lot last year. But by being in the team, by progressing the ball in the way that he does, he creates chances for other players without you know, being the one on the end of them or getting the assist. And the same goes for Odegaard. And Odegaard played really well with Emil Smith-Rowe and Saka. They worked well as a three in behind the striker and they were creating more chances. And he is a good signing. And I like Martin Odegaard. And I like the fact that he, he wanted to sign for us. Um... You know, because he generally looks like he had a smile on his face. And I felt so happy on Sunday when pre-match, the sun was shining and, and they, they brought him out. And it was so great to see him there. It, and every everyone in the stadium was happy to see him. Obviously, apart from the Chelsea fans, because they couldn't care less. But, you know, it's a good signing. But if you look at the rest of our squad, uh, you know, we should have signed a striker which would challenge Aubameyang to get into the first starting lineup because Aubameyang's getting on and he didn't have a good season. Um, we should maybe, well, definitely get rid of Willian, maybe send Nelson out on loan, get in another winger who will compete with the others. Um, we need to get a right-back to start because Bellerin wants to leave and he's not good enough. Cedric isn't good enough. Chambers will do as a backup. Maitland-Niles will do as a you know competition player who's good with versatility. But we need a new starting right-back. And we're leaving it late. It looks like we might go in for Kieran Trippier, which for me would be a really good signing if we can get it done. Because, my God, the gap between him and Cedric Suarez and Bellerin is miles. Um, I want Tarek Lam too. It would make my day if we yeah, that's not, that's, uh, Those links are completely gone. It's not, but it he's would in, I swear day. he's injured as well. And that's he's not going to go anywhere. Yeah, he is at the moment. Uh, yeah, he's not going to. He is at the moment. Yeah, yeah. At least, right, we're signing every England, like, either injured player or player that can't actually get into the country properly. So this, we might as well go and get Tarek Lampton. Yeah, well, there's there's two things. One uh, is that 130 million uh, that you have spent. Um, w is it worth uh, the money you spent? Uh, and two, do you guys see? You actually spending more because right now do I really think Arsenal are going to sign any any more players um, before you might sign one uh, maybe two but I don't really see you spending any more than that 130 million 
I think the 130 million was worth it. When you look at every, I mean, Ben White is the exception to this, but when you look at all of our signings, apart from Ben White, all of them were got, you know, look like really promising players and two were brought for a good price and weren't that much money, weren't that extortionate. Um, you know, Odegaard, 30 million. If he turned, I mean, he's still 22. He could turn into a phenom- phenomenal player, just like he was prospected to when he was 15 playing for Real Madrid um, seven years ago. So I think that is a, like, a really, really good signing. Uh, Sammy Lulaconga on the cheap. Um, uh, Bramsdale, I think, because I mean, you could get a cheaper goalkeeper, but um, he's a man that Arteta wanted. Sheffield United wanted wanted to make a profit on him, obviously. Uh, he's, he's their best player. I think I'm not too unhappy about that price. Uh, ben White is a little bit concerning, considering what Isaac just said with how he doesn't really fit into our, our system. But 130 million, in my opinion, uh, in today's market, 130 million is the benchmark for what Arsenal should be spending in a transfer window every single year. And the fact that we've just done it on the back of a COVID market and we've brought in all these players for um, a decent price. Uh, obviously, Ben Moyes is a bit much, yeah, yeah. But all the other ones, a decent price. Uh, it's not been that bad of a transfer window, considering, obviously, we are trying to build for the future. And like we said, uh, like I said earlier, we haven't signed a Willian yet or someone who basically just wants to come to us to earn as much money as we can and we're just desperate. Uh, yeah, we haven't got signed anyone like that, which I'm glad about for once because uh, I hate those kind of signings. But yeah, um, I think it was worth it. We need we need the money spent 100%. It's, it's just a case of, um, is, is it strengthening you short term to get that back into European football or is it a long-term goal? like what it is with Arteta I'm sure we'll get on to Arteta right after we finish talking about this because it's a talking point but um, is it uh, not um, is it encouraging that you're preparing for the future or is it just well why aren't we pushing on to uh, get to a point where we're I back think in European football I think on the back off the back of a COVID, off the back of the pandemic um, I think it's unrealistic to for Arsenal at the moment with no European football pull, like, to pull the players in and I think it's unrealistic that we're actually going to really affect the first team squad without either bringing in someone who will have a couple of good games with us who's like a David Luiz or you know just someone from uh, a different club who wants to leave and we're going to put them on ridiculous wages or someone who's going to be out of this world expensive uh, so I think making that much, that kind of significant uh, signing or strength to our squad would be a little bit unrealistic. And you know what, they've at least they've gone and done, they, they've at least planned for the future, at least they planned ahead this time. They haven't, you know, all the signings, none of them look like they're going to absolutely ruin our finances like Ozil did, like Aubameyang is, or might be on the way to doing, um, and like Willian is as well. Uh, so, uh, yeah. I've, I've kind of forgotten your question, but basically, are you encouraged uh, into the future, or would you rather them? I mean, I'm encouraged because surely you want that European football yeah, next season. I want it, but I don't think it's going to happen. Of, of, of course, I want it, but I, yeah, I don't think it's going to happen without. Uh, and we're not going to do what I just said. We're not going to. We're not going to sign Varane or you know the second best to that. We're not. 
It's not going to happen. We're not going to sign on Kim Pempe from PSG because it costs £80 million and we don't have that. So, yeah, it's, it's just unrealistic. Look, I mean, it's fine to have... It, it, what's nice to see is that we finally have a transfer strategy by the looks of things and that we're going for players... I mean, I think every single signing we've made is under 25. You know, it's clear there's there's a strategy there. You know, sign young players and and build a core foundation of players. And also, you know, we're trying to sign English players as well. We don't sign a lot of English players over the years, but, you know, suddenly we've got Ramsdale and Ben White in. We're trying to get a core group of English lads in, which is uh, good to see. Um, you know, it's 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 a good approach. Um we do need to be signing for right now with maybe some more experienced players, but I don't. The thing is, the club tried that a few years ago and it wasn't working. We brought in Socrates and he didn't really make that much of a difference. We brought in Licksteiner and he was absolutely shocking. You know, the, the way this club's recruitment works, you know, I'm surprised they've managed to get in the players they have. Um, uh, but. Yeah, I mean, the main issue I have of this window is, one, we haven't signed a right-back or a striker uh, in terms of signings. Those are my only issues in terms of signings, because we need a right-back and a striker imminently, and potentially another midfielder, but that's not as important as the other two. And then the massive one is that we haven't sold the players that we were promised. We were promised that this year would be a massive haul-out, the biggest window in Arsenal's history, and Willock's the only uh, recognisable sale that we've made, discounting Gwendouzi as it, it's, a, I think, a obligation to buy next year with Marseille. Um, you've got um, Kalasnak, Willian... Um, God, just... Cedric could go, you know, Bellerin is probably going to go. Xhaka nearly went, then didn't win, and now he's and then he wore the armband for two games, you know. Just... I think I think we're getting a bit repetitive, and I, th- I think we've got to move on uh, now, but, yeah. God, God help Arsenal. Yeah, I was just going to say, um, I didn't want to touch on this for very long, because it seems like we always come back to this when we talk about Arsenal. Uh, but I think we need to mention Arteta. Because you didn't like the tactics uh, from Chelsea. The Chelsea game. Uh, you didn't like some of the decisions he's made. Um, so where do you draw the line when it comes to Arteta? Uh, Isaac. We'll start um, with you. I mean, tactically, it, he, he was tactically inept. Uh, I don't think he was willing to change his tactics during the game, which is incredibly naive of him. Um, as you should be willing to adapt as a game progresses. Um, I think one thing about Arteta is I think he's too controlling. You see him on the sidelines running about, pointing everywhere. And I'm like, if anything, he's confusing the players. Um, the one thing I had to go at Wenger for uh, during his time was sitting down and not doing that. And if anything, I've realised that was a good idea because it put responsibility on the players going, look, I've done my bit. I've talked to you for a week. Do it. Uh, whereas Arteta, God, the players must be sick of him because he's yelling at them week in, week out in training, giving them this every order under the sun. And then the game starts and then he's giving them sign language just to make sure they know how to switch the ball to the other corner flag and pass it to Tierney again. Um, you know, it's just... Ridiculous. Um, at the end of the day, I don't want to have a go at him too much because he is not the cause of Arsenal's problems. Arsenal were crap before he came and they're crap now. Um, 
And at the end of the day, he's an inexperienced manager. You can't blame Arteta for accepting the job when he when he's too young, when he's too inexperienced to get it. It's a bit like Lampard. Lampard, you think maybe he would have been right for the Chelsea job, give four years maybe of managerial experience. But there was no way in hell he'd turn it down. And it's the same with Arteta. Maybe Arteta is a bit more inexperienced, but still, I'm, he's not to fault for Arsenal's problems. He's adding to them at the moment, but the fact that he's been employed by our board is a problem in itself. Our board employed Edu, an inexperienced technical director who was working for Brazil, not a club. He wasn't in charge of transfers. You can't transfer players for Brazil. Well, maybe you can get, I don't know, Diego Costa on a buyback clause, maybe. But, you know, there's no transfer negotiations with a national team. And here we have Brit putting him in one of our most responsible roles on our board when he doesn't really have the uh, experience required. And then you've got Arteta, the exact same scenario. It's just clueless it's absolutely clueless and that's that's the problem um if Arteta went tomorrow I wouldn't be surprised I think he will probably get sacked now and the annoying thing is I reckon half the fan base will fall for it and go yes Arteta's gone Arsenal are back now and then I'm just gonna sit back and go no we're not if Conte does come in as he's the clear clearest name in football right now to go for if he got the job I'd be happy for a bit but I'd know I'm telling you right now, if if Conte gets the job, whoever gets the job, because Arteta will lose his job this season. I'm I'm guaranteed. I'm sure of it. No matter who comes in, I, no matter where we finish, we will be bad. Everything is just it will. It is papering over the cracks. Sacking a manager. That's all it is. But I think we need to move on. Ashley, quickly, uh, uh, what do you reckon? Um, I was just going to say, yeah, I don't think. Uh, Conte would want to come to Arsenal because of the fact that yeah he would have an instant impact like a lot of managers do but after a while he wouldn't be able to spend the funds that he wants because he's always been that kind of manager he needs a lot of money to uh, Im- to actually implement what he wants to do um, so yeah I don't think that would happen uh, Arteta will most likely lose his job uh, you know I-, I wish it didn't really work out this way but uh, a combination of Arsenal's deep line problems and him really actually not being that, not being good enough um, it's probably caused it but uh, yeah uh, that's just the situation we're in right now well ta- tactically the issues are clearly there um, and I think Arteta I, I've stated my opinion on Arteta many a time because we always end up talking about Arteta when it comes to Arsenal um, I said it before and I do think he'll be sat by Christmas still. Uh, I'd be surprised if he isn't. But um, tactically, I think uh, you should be more worried, um, to to be honest. I mean, fair play to you, or you both. Uh, don't see it as a, as a main issue. I just think if it was any other club uh, with their current manager, let's say, um, I don't know, Liverpool suddenly went on a decline uh, tactically Klopp isn't living up to the expectations of Liverpool and Liverpool fans uh, it would be but a Liverpool very different like story that, and they? Liverpool fans um, they were in, in the early yeah, 2010s they were like that or like but um, even like if Klopp started going on a decline um, and tactically people didn't agree with uh, his tactics I think more people would be encouraged to say uh Clop it out or whatever, um, but I think there is a little bit of a lot of Arsenal fans. I I don't know how you guys what you guys think, but I think there's a little bit that's like, 
well, Arteta's played for the club, so we need to stick with him. Yeah, you're you right. Know? Uh, that, and that's, that, that, that. Tactic, tactically, look, tactically, that's just how, like, uh, surely you should think more tactically than what you're getting. You can guarantee that if Conte came in, he would definitely make the changes um, tactically to make you start performing better whether he's got the players at his disposal or not uh, Isaac looks very ready to say okay, something okay Jordan you, you think Conte said, so Conte would come him. in and magically all of Arsenal's problems will disappear okay Conte why did Conte get sacked no, no, from no, Chelsea no, no, oh no. no why did Conte no. leave Chelsea why did Conte he wasn't sacked Conte wanted to actively no. leave and then was eventually paid off and sacked why do you want to leave he disagreed with the way the club was run you think Chelsea was was not doing transfers the right way no. Arsenal he wouldn't last five months. He'd terminate his contract as soon as January rolls around. Literally. It's ridiculous. Conte will come in, will play five games, win them all 3-0, and then he'll leave. That's what will happen. And he's just done it into Milan as well. As soon as he's, no. he's not going to get the money and just... get rid of their best players, he's off. As soon as... Yeah, exactly. No, that that's not what I'm trying to I'm trying to say. Maybe I put it across in the wrong way. Um, I think Conte um, tactically, um, of course, more experience comes with that. But Conte tactically would be a better appointment to have in someone uh, that can change the way you're playing on the pitch. Of course, your problems don't just lie on the pitch; they lie off it as well. But on the pitch, um, there is a big issue still, uh, and. You're not winning games. You, I don't think personally you can blame the board entirely um, or whatever for the way the players are performing on the pitch. So that's why Arteta uh, is at fault. And getting someone like Conte in um, would change the way that the players are playing on the pitch because obviously more experience coming in. But like I said before, I've stated my opinions on Arteta a lot. Um, we we always seem to mention it and we always have the same conversation about how I think Arteta is not good enough uh, and the whole conversation about uh, it's not going to change everything. So I think we should move on. Um, but that was a, quite a long conversation about uh, our opinions on what is going on at Arsenal Football Club. So that was episode four now of the footballing question uh we hope you enjoyed listening uh but we got to do the same thing as we do all the time i'm sure it will cheer isaac up a little bit after a long conversation about uh arsenal uh so isaac i'll pass over to you to talk about the socials well i am absolutely ecstatic that i can be doing this again this week obviously the socials i do it every single week and i'm always always happy to be the one who has this job to do so we have to talk about our instagram please 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 check it out at tfq podcast uh, i'll be running that uh, and weekly you'll see us post maybe some questions about games update you uh, on whenever we post on our youtube or our, or do episodes of the podcast so it's a really good thing to have to look at our instagram because you'll be notified of everything that we're doing um it's good to have our Twitter as well, uh, which is run by Ashley at TFQ underscore podcast. Ashley, on our new Twitter and f- Facebook, we've got a new header, which I'm pretty sure you'll love, edited on magnificently, my I add, by Jordan. 
Uh, good work from him. And then, of course, the Facebook from Jordan, which is um, at just the football in question, really. Uh, yeah. And just as the others, we will, they will all be there to update you on whenever we're doing anything. Uh, so new episodes of the podcast, new YouTube videos, um, just new content in general. It will be there. So, yeah, make sure to check that out. And I've certainly mentioned it already, but please, definitely, you have to check out our YouTube channel as we have exclusive content on there. As we've already informed you, we have our weekly Fantasy Premier League show, which we are actually about to record just after the podcast now. So, each week, we will go through how each of us have done and who has done the best this week in our league. Um, obviously we have over 40 people in, which is fantastic. And whoever wins, wins a £20 Amazon gift voucher and the opportunity to be on the podcast. So that's a great thing. But I think I've rounded it all up. So I think we're ready to say goodbye, lads. Yeah, thanks for that, Isaac. Perfect again with the socials. That's why he's the socials man. Uh, but yeah, I think it's time that we end today's episode. Uh, and... I guess we will see you or we'll speak to you next week uh, in episode five. Thanks for watching. See you later.